here listening to the elephant in the room uh, with your host Double E and the star of the elephant in the room, Brother Howard. Brother Howard, are you with us today? Yes, yes. How you doing, man? I'm doing great today. Now, we've had such a big response from our, um, what is it, a two-part series, three-part series on religion. Um, we've had uh, people comment, and I love this man, uh, just from, uh, let's see, what was our latest one? Uh, I just said, preach, brother, preach. <laughs> okay. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but but we're getting tremendous responses. Uh, I'd like to go ahead before we start and uh, go ahead and give a shout out to uh, our top 10 countries that's been listening to us uh, for the elephant in the room. That's the United States, France, Russia Federation, Brazil, Indonesia, India, the Korea Republic, Argentina, Thailand, and Vietnam. So you're reaching a, a, a large uh, list of and a large variety of people. How did it make you feel, Brother Howard? Hey, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm, I'm glad everybody's tuning in around the world in, in terms of uh, getting some information and hopefully creating the dialogue in their said communities that dialogue that needs to be had in every community about uh, people coming together and breaking this spell of sleep that's been on uh, been on the planet for quite a long time. See. So um, I feel pretty good about it. Um, so we'll continue on steadfast. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Now today we're going to talk about uh, Willie Lynch. Now I'm going to be the first one to admit... Uh, the only Lynch I know was the one that played safety for the Buccaneers. So why don't, All right. <laughs> so why don't you tell us who Willie Lynch is? Well, quickly, uh, uh, what? the Willie Lynch um, syndrome or the slave owner Willie Lynch from the 18th century had um, written a, a particular proclamation to the slave owners in the United States that uh, enabled them to uh, look look at the slave and put the slave in a psychological uh, barrier to psychologically uh, enslave uh, the uh, African people as opposed to the physical enslavement of the chains. So Willie Lynch's proclamation was the seasoning process in which the Africans were being... <coughs> told by Willie Lynch and those who followed his formula um, that uh, one African was better than the other and one was this way and one was that way. So in a sense Willie Lynch used the law of opposites of opposites and he pitted one against another and he created the science of psychological enslavement uh, that we so-called know today. At least they give him credit for it even though the concept was long before Willie Lynch. It's actually a hermetic principle, but nonetheless, Willie Lynch had delivered the proclamation to the slave owners to allow them to take their slaves in intergenerational enslavement. So the psychological damage on the slave 
will take them from one generation to another and will see them for centuries and centuries, thus holding the African people in that psychological uh, uh, enslavement uh, for uh, for decades, as I said, in centuries. Mm-hmm. Now we have the Willie Lynch syndrome and that plantation dynamic that was developed by Willie Lynch in our communities today. It determined how the male and the female operate in the community, how the young and old operate, how all opposites function in the community. The law of opposites tell us that we have to find the complementary nature of two opposing opposites. That is what we call twinness or duality. But Willie Lynch used that same process and spun it around and reversed it. And now the these opposing opposites become antagonistic towards each other and they become uncomplimentary and they become unbalanced. And this causes the fear, the war, and the a process of what I call the crabs in a bucket or the Willie Lynch syndrome, which in our minds, in our community. So it established our relationships from the plantation dynamics to now. So um, Willie Lynch was quite important in um, delivering that message to the slave owners. Uh, subsequently, uh, African people were psychologically enslaved. And uh, at that particular point, uh, they were able to take the commodity that they call the African and, uh, and uh, ensure this uh, commodity and, and uh, ensure that the commodity will act in a particular way and manner for a time to come. And then, uh, unfortunately, has been very successful, as you see. Yeah. Most of us have uh, suffered the uh, Willie Lynch syndrome. Yeah, 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 quite successful. I see here because I've been reading up on it as you were talking, he guaranteed that uh, if installed correctly, it will control the slaves for at least 300 years, if not thousands. Uh, Oh, go ahead. But you see how powerful that is? In his proclamation, in his his so-called declaration, um, his formula was tried and true because it, it was a formula that, of course, he modified by using on livestock in terms of domestication. So in a sense, they were domesticating the Africans into the European system of power. So anytime you domesticate something, it must know its role. In other words, alpha male, et cetera, et cetera, as the animals being domesticated, as the human being, in our case, was being domesticated by the power elite of the slaveholder or the system that we lived under, the culture that we lived under. So that domestication is really uh, part of the problematic that we deal with in our community now. We've never eradicated ourselves from that domesticated process that was put on us or set forth with the so-called psychological damage from Willie Lynch. So indeed, it has gone into the 300-year cycle and it hasn't really stopped. It has picked up momentum with the technology available today so that Willie Lynch syndrome can be propagated through light transmission and other technologies in terms of delivering the symbols and the icons and the propaganda necessary to make one feel inferiority and, and not understand one's culture. So we, uh, the Willie Lynch syndrome is continuum as we can move forward. Okay. Any questions? Uh, yes. Now, 
uh, why was religion a big factor in controlling uh, the human hostages or slaves as some people want to call them? Well, it, it, you know, uh, as it relates to the Willingham Syndrome and in our last two episodes we talked about religion as a distinguishing factor in, in, in terms of the psychological damage in the African community uh, and the human community in and of itself because with that uh, under the guise of religion the, the power elite had carte blanche on laws, regulations, and they set the tone on how people will live because they had the proxy from God. So the nobility, in a sense, thought they were ordained by God, and the divinity came through God, through the theology. So they were able to create wars and mayhem and chaos throughout the centuries in the name of God, in the name of this God, or the name of that God, or my God is better than your God. The whole thing in terms of the theology. So it enabled the power elite throughout the centuries to maintain their power or their hegemony through the priesthoods, you know, through the institutions of Fox. Because as me and you always spoke in many of our, our sessions, that, that thought was the pervasive process. People were looking for knowledge since the beginning of time, and knowledge was power. Who had the knowledge had the power. So they kept the knowledge from the general populace by creating these systems. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. These systems. It's almost like a, 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 a um, an octopus in, in the, uh, is the core of the thought, the germ seed, and each of the tentacles becomes the institution that comes from the core. Be, the, be it education, uh, the military, the, uh, this institution, that institution, institution of health, but these are institutions of thought. These institutions are created to make us think in a particular way, to create a particular paradigm in our mind. So once we start to study the core body of this octopus, we see the basic premise behind each institution, how the tentacles work in conjunction with each other to, to in a sense, keep the human species not only dumbing down, but spiritually, spiritually stagnant. But by not delivering the correct information and having the information manifest itself into practicums in the community. In other words, allowing it to become living information. So now the concept of God becomes internal instead of external. So that's how theology was able to come into Africa and play a tr tremendous role in the colonization of the African spirit and mind. Because now we have to into Europe, a country in West Africa, the introduction of European Judeo-Christianity from the slaveholders, you know, in that case, the Portuguese, the Spanish, initially coming out of the coast. But nonetheless, their Christianity became our Christianity. So this is what I was saying years ago when I was studying as a young student. Uh, old brother, brother told me, you, you cannot get to heaven in another man's shoes. You mm. see? Uh-huh. Think what I'm saying. You cannot get to heaven in another man's shoes. So we continue that process, continuously trying to get somewhere in another person's shoes, or another person's culture, another person's paradigm, as we assimilate and become inculcated with that particular culture. So the Willie Lynn syndrome, as I said, is saturated our minds and our psyche, and it makes us behave in a particular way. That behavior is the vulnerability that we see today, Ed, 
that that's the that's why we can be shot in the street and there's very little reverb about it. We may protest, we may be on the news, we may have this and that, but there's very little reverb about it because we've been dying for three hundred some odd years on the soil of America, the West Indies and other places. And we unfortunately have become accustomed to it. I know that sounds very dangerous and, and, every, and people would say, wow, wow, did he say that? Yes, I did. We've become desensitized to these things because of these syndromes and our post-traumatic stress that we have to deal with, <laughs> a slave syndrome, a slave syndrome that we say our PSDs that we have uh, in, in our community. See, now, now um, as I was reading here, it was saying about seasoning uh, uh, a person. Uh, so, what does seasoning mean? Well, it's similar to the term seasoning. Let's, uh, if you're a cook, you're a chef, and you are, so you know you season your meat, your barbecue, whatever it may be, you prepare it. So, with the precursor, you use your spices and use your other things. And seasoning, in regard to what we're talking about now, those precursors are behavior modification tools that they use uh, uh, for to season a person's psych- a psychic mind, so it can be, so that person can behave in a particular manner. So in the slave quarters, the seasoning may have been: I give one slave one thing, and I take something from a slave. So that slave or that African person, excuse me, I use the term slave. That African person would covet that which the other African has. You see. Yes. So, in other words, it created that concept of value. So, the, the slave master may have given one, given one slave a horse and taken something from another slave. You, you see what I'm saying? Yes. So, in a sense, it determined, the slave master determined the well-being of that individual slave. Because remember last week we talked about deification? Yes. In, in a sense... The slave master, in a sense, was a deified individual on the plantation, almost like a demigod, if you will. Some would say God. As we go through uh, the, the 18th and 19th century, we'll see that demigod process in Hollywood and other places, as the slave would say, we sick master, you see. Right. As the master becomes sick, the slave owner sick, the slave would say, we're sick, master, as he identifies to that degree with the master. You see what I'm saying, Ed? Yes. We're sick. So these are little nuances in culture that really come from that plantation dynamic that was established in the, in the 1450s century in terms of how we think. And we have never really eradicated it, nor do we have the vehicles in the community in place for us to even, you know, speak about those things so we can teach the young how to really be themselves and, and set forth in, in, in a new light in terms of their, our own continuum. We, we haven't done that really well because in, in most cases, uh, we don't really pull the, the reins. We, we allow the puppeteer to do most of those things. So most of, in most cases, our community, even at the grassroots level, um, lacks of resources or, uh, and a commitment to uh, make a change to that degree. See now, now with that, they're using like um, the 
age, old against young, uh, young against old, male against female, female against male. So why, why then, if they're using all that, why did they go ahead and strip the female of her femininity and treat her like a man? Well, you know, that's one of the most powerful pieces that they've, that they've done in terms of the masculine and feminine principle and, and, and in reversing the natural innateness of it. For instance, the male plays a particular role in the family and so does the female. But in our case, that role was reversed. So in a sense, the slave master garnered particular power on the female. So then in a sense, the female had to become both. With the absenteeism of the male and the, and the destruction of particularly the male in the community because of his physical prowess. So he became a different challenge in the European eyes. The, the breaking of the female was important because at that point, you can get to the children. And remember, the female raises the male child as well as the female child. So in our community, the females have to assume both dual roles of masculine and feminine. So this unsearched their femininity because historically speaking, in their DNA and their memory, the black male, and this is really deep, wasn't able to protect them under the guise of the slave trade end up on the plantation. So in a sense, we became very inferior to the power of the European male as we were broken in front of our female and this broke her psyche. You see what I'm saying, bro? Yes. So we had no, in a sense, we had no power within our own home. And see, understanding that dynamic is really understanding the dynamic of domestic violence. How that takes place Right now, we have to understand that relationship as it relates to the masculine and feminine principle, you know, and how that role reversal in the African-American community in particular is related to power. So the power is granted or garnered by the European system, not only during the plantation era. Today, the same dynamic exists, and we still wrestle and tussle in the African-American community about the, the masculine and the feminine, males and females, and how we survived this thing. We haven't figured it out yet because we haven't talked about these syndromes, like the Willie Lynn syndrome, the seasoning process, and the other psychological damages that have been done, and who was the one, the perpetrator of these things, and how we can get ourselves back on course. So we've been antagonistic towards each other as it relates to that, because again, the female has assumed the role of the male, and she's assumed the role of power in the African-American community. You know, no big deal in particular. Historically speaking, the female's always been the most powerful on the planet, but that's another story in and of itself that we'll talk about on a, on a later episode. But this dynamic has created uh, the, the world we live in today and the, the danger in our community and the flight of the male, the nomadic process of, of the men, because they're not able to economically take care of their families, you know, and they're not able to you, you bring these families into fruition and educate these families so the females take this burden, and, and again, they raise the males. So we have generation after generation after generation of these disjointed, dysfunctional families, you know, 
uh, coming into play in our community. And the strange thing about it is uh, they have to be dysfunctional because they follow a dysfunctional model. The European model for family in and of itself is dysfunctional. And the strange thing with our schism, we expect functionality even though we follow a dysfunctional model. So, again, theology comes into play with these things, and the other institutions from that octopus or these umbilical cords or these tentacles I told you about all come in because they all control how we think. Everything's about knowledge and thought since the beginning of time. Everything's about knowledge and thought. They did. They don't want you to have knowledge, and that's across the board, whether you be white, Chinese, you know, the more, the least knowledge, the less knowledge you have, the more you're able to control your mind, and the more they know you cannot become a critical thinker, or what we call a free thinker, able to think freely. In other words, access all the information that you have, the data you have, and make a responsive decision based on the accessible information and research, and be able to be pliable with, with your conclusions, because they may change in a week as more information comes in, you know. It's always a pliable process because everything continuously moves and you adhere to some of the laws, you know, and so forth. But, um, you know, so the, the feminine was really big on that. And, and you see that dynamic uh, in, in the community now and in, in little nuances as, you know, the sisters have attitude and all this and that. Those little nuances we see in the community come from the plantation dynamics. Ed. All that anger uh, in our communities is very much suppressed, and we don't talk about uh, those relationships because the church is not prepared to talk about those relationships uh, at, at the pragmatic level. They want to talk about dead, ancient things, which they know very little about. But nonetheless, you know, they cannot address these things uh, in the community that allow the community to prosper. If we get those things together, we, and we can look at things a little bit differently and move forward. See, first thing you have to do is you have to be able to teach the masculine and feminine principle that's inside the individual in and of itself. See, the male and female resides in every human being in the, on the planet. You, you see what I'm saying that? Yes. We all have masculine principles. We all have feminine principles. What are they, and how do we synthesize those principles to create the person that we are in the universe that we need to have in place? So those things aren't really taught, and that they're not really uh, the, uh, tools that we train our, our children on. So the children be uh, use these things, uh, this, this physics used against them. The laws of physics, in a sense, are in reverse polarity, if you will. And, they, and, and these things that should be the same become antagonistic because we don't understand the basic principles of it. So it, it's a dangerous dynamic. And um, like I said, and, and um, the feminine thing is a conversation that we'll have later later uh, uh, in the elephant in the room. We'll do a complete episode simply on those two principles I'm talking about today because they fit into some of the earlier uh, episodes that we did on left and right brain hemisphere thinking and so forth. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's no, a no, lot. It's, 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 it's a lot. It's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're opening up uh, uh, myself to a lot of stuff that I did not know. Um, and I've been reading while you've been talking. Uh, what role did enslaved humans play in medical research? Wow. Um, uh, you, you know, one of the things that, for those listening out there, one of the 
the, the, the pieces they have to do. The, the African slave trade was really, it paralleled the, the, the uh, evolution of the medical field because, in a sense, the Africans were used as guinea pigs for the experimental processes, specifically OBGYN and, uh, uh, and some of those feminine uh, 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 sciences that we see today. Uh, the women were used as guinea pigs, and one of the interesting uh, pr uh, pieces was uh, Harriet Washington. Harry Washington's book, Medical Apartheid. Uh, a sister named Harry Washington wrote a book called Medical Apartheid about a decade or so ago. If any of you out there, you know, Dr. Harriet uh, Washington. And the book really gives a chrono chronological uh, 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 history of some of the atrocities and some of the scientific processes rendered on African people, starting from the African slave trade to our, our present day as it relates to lab experiments. And she goes through many processes. Many of us know about the syphilis experiments in the community. Many of us know the esoteric knowledge and, and information that are behind the AIDS epidemic and other what I call germ warfares that have been rendered on the indigenous populations around the planet. So yeah, um, so, so the slave trade was really big supplying the guinea pigs uh, for these, uh, uh, for these experiments in the, uh, to go uh, into, into play. Can you see what I'm saying on that? Yes. Yeah, so that was a dangerous dynamic. And in a sense, some people feel that they're guinea pigs to this day, because if you notice, a lot of African Americans are hesitant about going to the hospital today, Ed. You know, some of the older folk don't like to go to the hospital or see a doctor, or they don't trust those things. And that, that's really in their memory, in their DNA, uh, going back centuries. And a lot of it had to do with the plantation and uh, being uh, uh, experiments uh, uh, in the mad science that was uh, in, in involved at that time and, and it continued to this, to this day, you know, and, right. and, uh, and so forth. You know, so Medical Apartheid by Harry, Dr. Harry Washington is a tremendous book to read. And, and another piece that there. I'd like our audience to check out is the history of Henrietta Lackey, and they'll see how powerful the uh, uh, the females in the African slave trade and African people were as it relates to the medical field. Henrietta Lackey's DNA and her cells still live today. Her name is Henrietta Lackey. For those who are out there, um, read uh, some information on her, and you'll understand what I what I'm talking about. Um, uh, in this episode. Yeah. Now, I've been reading this letter, the Willie Lynch uh, letter. Uh, he is comparing uh, the African-American uh, race to horses. Right. Um, saying that, that um, and, I'll, and I'll let you elaborate on it, okay? Uh, but what does he mean by keep the body, destroy the mind? Wow, it, it, a powerful piece. Because remember, keeping the body is keeping that which it produces for you. For instance, if, if this particular person is picking cotton or producing, you know, or making money for the slaveholder, they need the body, you know. So they didn't want to whip the body, tear the body up, or the value of, of the work, the 20, the 15-hour days of labor. 
but the mind is really what they were after in terms of keeping that person intact in, in time and space and making that person's offspring see what I'm saying right. you know that's as enslaved as, as, as them so the mind was much more important Ed, because it was intergenerational so once you controlled the mind of the mother and father and, and, and broke the spirit you know and, and sent the father somewhere and broke up the slave family of uh, the African families on the plantation you know this set the dynamic you know of fear because see in a sense in their, in their, in their subconscious even in their conscious mind we live in perpetual fear yeah yeah remember I talked about that fear right. the fear of the light the fear of the dark and so forth and so on we talked about fear many times this thing is really based on fear that's why it, it, you can't there's no reaction towards it or proaction and so forth there's reaction but not proaction because fear is that mechanism that does not make us go any farther because we don't know what's behind the door and we fear this thing. The same way we've always feared it from that safe containment of the slave owner, you know. So that's why they said the, the, the body, uh, they did not want to tear the body up because when Lynch introduced his formula, he told them to, why cut your slaves' arms and legs off when you can simply cut off their minds from their homeland and from their spirit? And that will leave the slave's body intact to produce for you. You see? Yes. Now, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, powerful piece, Ed. Powerful piece. Yeah, you and know. I, I would like to go yeah. ahead and, and go a little deeper. I'm going to go ahead and read what he uh, actually wrote. And then uh, I'm not going to read it word for word because, uh, no. Nah. So I'm going to insert other words in there. But it says, take the meanest and most restless person, or black male, this is, or yeah, let's just say that, the meanest and most reckless black male, strip him of his clothes in front of his remaining friends, the females, and the children, tar and feather him, tie each leg to a different horse, faced in opposite directions, set him afire, and beat both horses to pull him apart, in front of the remaining uh, blacks. The next exactly. step is to take a bull whip and you beat the remaining males to the point of death in front yep. of the female and the infant. Don't kill them, but put the fear in God, put the fear of God in him, for he could be useful for future breeding. Uh, and that is exactly what you were saying. Uh, yeah. Certainly. But you see that that fear concept has been embedded and and um and etched in our, in our psyche uh, for for centuries now, and it's something that we really don't talk about much and, and to eradicate. But um, it's been something that um that we um haven't been able to uh, deal with uh, for quite some time, and it, it's come from that that same process. Because see, back in the day. They, they would quarter us, as you said, the, the hands and feet, and they would have four horses on some of the women, and, and they would quarter the women. The horses would pull in four different directions, and these women would be pregnant. So you see the trauma, Ed? Yeah. Psychological trauma travels from one generation to another. You know, that's why uh, uh, several years ago, um, uh, Dr. Joyce Leary had written a book, Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome. And, and she had pointed to uh, to the syndrome and said to us that 
the post-traumatic sphincter syndrome in terms of its diagnosis is similar to post-traumatic stress syndrome. Matter of fact, it was exactly the same in a sense. It simply said to us that we are products of war, we are in a war, and we are victims of war, and we, we suffer the stress of war. But this war is very, very insidious because it's a silent war. Even though we see it, bombs go off in our minds, you know, in our communities, etc. It's a war that we don't talk about. We don't meet for logistics. There's nothing about that. There's no, there's no counter war going on, you know. So this war has been going on for centuries and centuries. So in a sense, we have African-American community and many communities living in, 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 in what I call a depressed state, a traumatic state of depression. And as, 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 as I always tell my groups, the depression is simply read not being able to construct the future. So if you're depressed, you cannot construct the future, Ed. So if you cannot see a future, thus we have young people that not, they're not afraid to die. So they can be 16, 17, 14 years old, and they're not afraid of death in the community. And they'll kill anyone that looks like them, you know, because of that syndrome that we deal with, that post-traumatic slave syndrome, and, and that trauma created by the Williams syndrome and our inability to express ourselves, even with ourselves, and create programs in the community, you know, that really take our children to a level where they can start to have self-love and start to build and become entrepreneurs and understand uh, economic processes to a higher degree where they don't have to necessarily work for anybody anymore because, see, those days are over now because they don't need you in the workforce in the new millennium, you see. As yeah. I said, there's others crossing over the lake and over the pond that take those particular positions. And again, this is not a hate thing. This is this part of that globalization process that I told you that's going on now. So we have to get our house in order at the global level, you know, and, and marginalize our dysfunctionality or eliminate this dysfunctionality. Or we'll, we're going to be in bad, bad shape. You know, you think 30, 35% of the community lives in poverty now. It, it, these numbers were double and triple. We're already dealing with 15, 20% unemployment. People say, what are you talking about? Those numbers are crazy. <laughs> My brother, half the, half the folks that are working don't make enough money to be employed. They call it underemployment, Ed. But we continue, we're digressing right now as it relates to the economy. We've been dependent upon it because they've turned us into consumers. See, now the new slave is the consumer. The new slave on the horizon in the new millennia is called a consumer. And they don't call them slaves no more. They call them dead slaves or consumers. And they consume products. And they have things of value outside of self. And they'll kill for those things. You see, I call them designer Negroes. Hmm. See, it comes like that. And this does black folks. We've all become consumers. They created the consumer to control the world. We consume things. So with that bloodlust of, of our, 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 our uh, ability to consume, um, we uh, do what we can to consume more than our neighbor. And uh, that makes us higher than our neighbor. And I have more money to consume more than you. I have a bigger consumer car than you have, and so forth and so on. You see the Willie Lynn syndrome coming into play? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean. It's, it's the same thing. Even keeping up with the Joneses, Ed, 
as the guy across the street gets a new car, a new roof, or a new plumbing process, a new this, a new that, and now I'm, I respond to it. There's little nuances that we see in American lifestyle, all those competitive things that you see. That's part of that duality going in this mad reversal where all those things are supposed to be complementary and harmonious. They are no longer harmonious because we live in another reality now and another cultural matrix that don't allow those things to become harmonious. Within their culture, within that framework, these things always are antagonistic and they're competitive. And we follow along as if we're rats in the Pied Piper's game. You see, so knowledge allows us to break those chains, those psychological chains set forth by Willie Lynch and others long before Lynch and long after And in terms of dehumanizing. Our kids, when they go to school, this is a dangerous thing. And when you go, when your kids are educated in the school system that has no love for them and the school system transmits information not of self, so the kids, in a sense, cannot relate to the subject matter because they're not historically present during that subject matter. You see, so when the presentation becomes I'm a slave at an early age, third, fourth, and fifth grade, they take that on in their lives. And they want to be something else. They don't want to be the guy in the Tarzan movie where Tarzan swings down and throws 25 natives against the wall and saves Jane. You want to be Tarzan. You see? Yes. See, see that those those same dynamics are in cartoons, mass media, and they're transmitted across the board. Across the board, like one of the current things on TV, I see, and with the Oscars that they, I see the black folks are howling about representation in the Oscars. You're familiar with that, correct? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, they want to be part of the Oscars and and so forth and so on. And one of the things I say is. You guys have to get together. We have to get together and make better movies. In other words, for people that have been on the planet for over one million years, we sure have a, a small snapshot of stories to tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of urban okay. stories, a lot of plantation stories. We're either to Man. help, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in I, reality, I, yeah, we've been on the planet over one million I, years. I... <laughs> years, but they have no problem telling the story of Cleopatra, of Moses, of Abraham, of whoever they want to, of Braveheart. I, I totally agree with you on that. I was talking to a person, a friend of mine today on that, and I said, why is it that the powers to be in Hollywood, unless you finance this movie all on your own, aka Ice Cube with his uh, straight out of Compton. Right. Okay, sure. the powers that be in Hollywood that have the money and have the power to change things right. still makes movies like Jesse, which is coming out, I think, next month about right. Jesse Owens. Uh, right. We we already know that story. Uh, right make a story about Butler, the butler in a White right. House, uh, 19 years, or was it 19 years a slave, or whatever? Well, I put with the 12 years, 12 a, slave, years a slave, 15 years. Yeah, yeah. Why do we keep what? making the same movies where 
everybody in the movie is called nigga this, nigga that. Isn't that powerful? That tells you that our memory has been erased. Specifically, African hyphen Americans. We think our history is 300 years old, and it started with the Portuguese uh, <laughs> uh, camps uh, 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 that they set up in the west coast of Africa and ultimately became the, the African slave trade. See, we've been on the planet for over a million years, if not longer than that, since the beginning. We were the first on the planet. And the strange thing is, we don't have those stories to tell. So instead of being an epic, which is many voluminous, we become a goddamn pamphlet. In other words, our history can be written on one page because someone else has written that history. Right. So, so, So our behaviors are indicative of that. So now we become predictable. We're predictable to the police department. We're predictable, predictable to those institutions of thought I spoke about earlier that created the behavior. So now there's a predictability that's, that, that we deal with that's insidious in terms of the attack on the African-American community. And, and basically, not only our community, communities are a poverty, period. Because remember, one of our early episodes, poverty is the biggest industry in the world. There is no corporation in the world bigger than the industry of poverty. Poverty, poverty is an industry, and that industry allows people of the of the indigenous ilk not to have any access to their own resources. Other words, you can walk on gold, and you won't cannot buy it. Other words, you've been walking on gold, but you cannot buy it because the beers, zells and the other companies, they make you mine gold on your own land, in which you cannot afford. See, this is the concept behind blood diamonds. Yes. So the Africans mine the diamonds throughout Africa, South, West Africa, East Africa, etc. But they themselves, so-called, can't afford those diamonds that circulate around the world. Gold, oil, zinc, etc. The mineral resources of the world, the food resources of the world, the knowledge base of the world has been seized centuries ago. And All they, those things have to be accessed and understood. See, we're going to do... No, go ahead. I, I was just going to process is to deal with ecology. You yeah. see, all those things are elephant in the room subject matters that we'll bring back. And all of them are interrelated. Every show that we've ever done, it has a relationship between one show and another. Because I'm talking about globalization now. I'm talking about racism. I'm talking about the elephant in the room, theology, ideology, and so forth. And, 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 and our presentation in this thing is so important because... This is not a centric per se, Afrocentric, this centric. We're being human centric on this. It's the human mathematics that's going to bring us back uh, to where we need to be on this particular piece. Because everybody been duped. Everybody on the planet's been duped. Everybody on the planet's been stupid. Hear me out there. We're all dumb. We've all been stupefied. We've all been dummied down. So for us to get ourselves back together in the time of this so-called enlightenment, we live in this new renaissance, so to speak. So since we're moving to the age of Aquarius and we're in that process of enlightenment, maybe we should do that. And with that knowledge base, maybe the world could change itself to where two or 1% of the population don't control 90% of the resources on the planet. And then everybody wonders what the hell is going on. That is absolute insanity, Ed. Think about that. 
one, two percent of the population control 90, 95 percent of the resources on the planet. But see, that's okay. They set up economic systems where the world is in debt. But see, and we know the origin of those economic systems. Again, that's okay because so many people reap the benefits of it. There's no need to expose the devil because you're in an air-conditioned suite and it's hot out there for the rest of them. You see what I'm saying? Yes, see, I that, do. That's what, separates, that's what separates the poor from the rich, that knowledge base. See, they, right. they think they keep people so dummy down that they can't proact anymore. You know, because see, you know, we covet, we start to cover things. Go ahead, please. Oh, no. I was just going to say, and I just want to get your uh, thoughts on this, because Willie Lynch was saying, in the frozen psychological state of independence, a female will raise her male and female offspring in reverse roles. Yes. Uh, Therefore, she will train her male to be mentally weak and dependent, but physically strong. And yes. she'll train her female offspring to be psychologically independent as well. You so see that, how powerful that is. Yeah, so now we got the women out front and the man behind and scared. No question. Now, no question. how... Now, he said this will go on, uh, he said, but the human mind will always uh, try to correct that problem. So you have to keep on top of it uh, unless a phenomenon occurs. Now, uh, Brother Howard, I would consider you the phenomenon, okay? So now, how how do we keep this phenomenon occurring? Or how do we reach those that are blind? Here's what we're doing now, Ed. it's, It's funny that you said that. We're actually doing it right now. Me, you, and the listeners out there are actually involved in that. Because, see, now they're going to they're taking their research, and they're going to tell somebody else to do some research and tell somebody else of what we need to start thinking. We need to start thinking. That's what this is about. I don't care if the United States, Sweden, Denmark, Africa, or you know, Nicaragua, uh, it does not matter. If we don't start thinking on the planet, you know, this thing will be what it is. There's a protocol in place, you know, that, again, we'll talk about in other shows, that we see it being enacted. See, we don't know the symbols. Power, power moves through symbols, Ed. It, it speaks to each, they speak to each other through symbols. This is how it's done. You see, and the symbols can mean something to the general populace. But to the initiate, those in power, the symbol can mean something else. So we're surrounded by the symbols. You see, as we become smarter, we're starting to, uh, you know, demystify these things and starting to see what's really behind the veils and and being able to uncloak these things to the degree where we can make uh, powerful, positive changes in the community, change the education process for our kids to be educated in a much more, you know, precise and authoritative manner that has something to do with themselves. And this is not just African-American kids. We have to educate the populace in and of itself again. We have to be able to reconstruct this dead society that we're living in today that operates on fear and hypocrisy. 
It says one thing and it does another. And see, in our examination of the culture allows us to see the nuances of the culture taking place centuries and centuries ago. So mm. you, you, me and your, our conversation today is part of the vehicle for change that's around the world. We're not only the only ones talking about it and doing something about it. There are many around the world having this conversation in many different languages. You know what I mean? They've been taught to hate themselves and been taught to hate others. So once that principle starts to diminish and becomes marginalized, people will start to have the conversation for destruction. And then that one or two percent I talked about early in our conversation, this is when they'll have to be at their best. See, because the stakes are high. See, as we walk into that chamber and we see that Oz is behind the curtain, and we see Oz, and it presented itself as the great and powerful Oz, and we came to it again for a heart, for a brain. You know the story yet. Yeah. We followed the yellow brick road, and then as we peered back the curtain and see it was Oz was not who he said he was, correct? Correct. We're dealing with that same dynamic. This thing has created the Wizard of Oz. And we're walking that so-called yellow brick road. And that road is a road of bricks. You know, that road is a road of gold that's been paid by the people's blood throughout the centuries. Paid for the elite, for the false kings and queens of the world that have been designated by false gods that run the world for millennia. We just simply need to do our examination and put our own power in place at this level because the, the majority of the world that's been asleep is waking up right now and the, and the, the strange dynamic is going on. See, and the same hustle ain't gonna work no more. Remember, Willie Lynch said this is gonna work three, 400 years or whatever it may be. Willie Lynch's time and, and that process is coming to an end right now because it's been exposed to the degree we're talking about it, we're dissecting it, you know, we're not going for the rhetoric anymore, you know, we're tired of sending people in the community to programs where they get 55 resumes and the guy's got a felony knowing damn well he, he can't get a job. You see what I'm saying, Ed? Definitely. And then they go back to prison again, start playing those games. Those little nuances of community that we play where people get grant money here and there and we become the consumer to that, you know, the targeted group, this population, that population. Oh, man. All that's got to end, bro. All that's got to end. See, and we're the ones that do it. Me and you. Most definitely. about. Dude, man, yeah, this has been very, very enlightening to me uh, and probably to a bunch of listeners. Um, and I hope that they, too, will do like I did and pull it up and start reading uh, sure. you can you can even see how what he wrote in 1712 still affects society in 2016 you know exactly. Um, exactly. yeah yeah you, you can see it oh and definitely you, 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 can, you can really see that the, the syndrome itself has morphed itself as I said, with the technology and the times, but we, we still live in that same crab-in-a-bucket mentality 
that we've always lived in, and, and, and it makes it very difficult for us. And we, and we play games with each other, like pull yourself up by the bootstrap, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You, you know, think this way, think that way. It, no, our minds have been encapsulated in fear so long. This cannot be the case. You know, many times the, the power elite determines who is what and who ain't. They, they, they determine the Will Smiths of the world, of the right. Barack Obamas of the world, and that of the world. Not us. You know, you know. Years ago, when I was younger, I, I used to go and and um, in every all the black households, they would have two things: uh, a copy of Jet and a copy of Ebony. Two magazines. You're familiar with these magazines, of course, but. One of the things that, that I used to disturb me, even when I was younger, they, and the, the cover of the magazine was the first black person that did this, the first black person that did that. I'm like, wow, for us to be here one million years, how are we the first in 1963? You know, I, so you, you see how we're, we live in another world? Oh, definitely. You know, yeah, how, how can we be the first to do it in this particular time in the 20th century, and we've done it 15 centuries ago? I said, oh, I'm the first again? See, we, 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 don't, we didn't know we were the first. We didn't know that we put these things together. So uh, Jet and Ebony were presented as if we were assimilating into the culture, and we were so proud of those who were the first of that and the first of this, the first black person to go to Harvard, the first black medical student. The first black first to sweep a floor. The first black this. This was insanity. See, that was admitting, and that was part of the etching of our inferiority. You see, they determined first. So they're looking down from the pearly white gates, telling that you're the first to do this. We allowed this one to go through. So the Jackie Robinson syndrome became part of it. You dig? Yeah. See, see, this this is madness. This is madness. So. At, at, at the table, we teach our kids this formula. I've, I've heard it all my life. Get a good, get, get a good job, go to college, and, and 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 hopefully somebody will hire you in corporate America, whatever it may be. But see, I'm competing against others that say own the company. I'm, I'm competing against children that are taught to be entrepreneurs. See, and the best I can do is get my bachelor's and my master's and vie for a position of a job. In other words, they don't need any more black engineers. They don't need any more African-American uh, nurses no more. They got Nigerian nurses. They don't need that anymore. You see what I'm saying? There's no place to go. So we got people with, with degrees and multiple degrees. That there's, no, there's no framework to work in. They don't know history. They don't know the trade unions that were started several centuries ago after the African slave trade to keep the manufacturing base down from the slaves coming into, free, into the free zone now because they were skilled slaves. You know, we don't know that. We don't know it's been set up like that. So we become dependent upon that. We haven't been able to take care of our families for, for generation after generation. But nobody says a damn thing. As long as you got more than your debt, black neighbor. As long as you got more than your neighbor. So you can feel a little bit better about that. That is the Willie Lynch syndrome at its finest. Say, brother Howard, man, this hour has come and gone. Can you believe that? Definitely, brother. Definitely, <laughs> I got you on that one. Oh, yeah. oh, most definitely, man. That this was a good hour, dude. Uh, like oh. I said, I hope that uh, our listeners will go read 
educate themselves, um, and then go forward and share what they've learned. Uh, and that's the only way that this phenomenon uh, can occur, is that if we go ahead and share and and break this cycle um, so that, that, that not only you can fulfill your destiny, but your family family and your generations that's to come. It. That's it, Ed. Yeah. We're, we're, we're basically, uh, we're, there was a, and, and you're old enough to know this, that is the, is the great prophet George Clinton would tell us, free your mind and your ass will follow. <laughs> Definitely. Brother, Brother Howard, before we go, man, any, any parting words? Um, you know, basically, this was a good conversation, uh, some good dialogue. One of the things uh, that I wanted to lay down is quickly along. Now, all opposites are, are the same. They only differ by degree. That's a little tidbit for our, our listening audience. All opposites are the same. They differ only by degree, I'll say. I'll see you cool. next week. Hey, man, what can people expect next week? And next week we're probably going to go into uh, uh, optic male-female relationships on, and education. We're going to talk about the education system, that that pinnacle that comes down from that core and that education, or we're going to call it miseducation. Okay, and you heard it here on the Double E Podcast. On behalf of Brother Howard, this is Double E saying, see you next Sunday.